The jury that convicted Sarah Gonzalez McGlynn of first-degree murder in 2015 didn't know about the months of abuse that preceded her grisly crime. She received a hard 50 sentence, but later accepted a plea deal to reduce her incarceration to a minimum of 25 years in exchange for giving up the right to appeal. Now, her advocates hope to get her out of prison by convincing the governor to grant her clemency, a long-shot attempt to correct an injustice. In her first interview with a reporter, Gonzalez McGlynn called me from prison to talk about her experience with Hal Sasko, the man who held her in bondage and raped her a hundred times in ten months. This call will be recorded and subject to monitoring at any time. Thank you for using IC Solutions. You may begin speaking now. Uh, hi, Sarah. This is Sherman. Hi. How are you? I, I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I've never done anything like this before. Yeah, I, I imagine so. And I, you know, I, I've mentioned before. I just want to make it clear that, you know, if you feel uncomfortable with any question, you you don't have to answer. You can just say, you know, I, I, I don't want to talk about that right now, and and I'll move on. Or if, if you reach a point where it's just too much anxiety, we can stop the conversation. Okay. I, I appreciate you taking the the time and and having the courage to 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 do this. I know it's uncomfortable. You're you're talking to me from, I guess, inside the the prison where you have people all around you. Yeah. Yeah, and you know I appreciate you too. And I was talking to Dave, and you know I've never talked about this with anybody outside of attorneys and psychologists, like. Not even my family. Yeah. But uh, I do feel like it's time also. I feel like it has been just so hard to talk about because it does feel like just hold a certain amount of like power over me too. Yeah. I certainly understand. Well, this is this is your story now, and 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 you have control over it. Are there things that that you want the world to know about you or or what happened to you? Um, I feel like that is a, a kind of a hard question to answer because I think in the simplest way, like I want them to know everything that happened, you know, and I want them to know that when I moved into that house, I had no idea what was in store for me, and I truly did just think of him as a father figure to me, and I just had no idea. And there was a lot that went on, you know, when I got there. And I know that I made a lot of wrong decisions, but that is not who I am like that. It's just a Mm. lot of really bad things that happened. Was there a moment living with him where you realized this is not at all what I thought I was getting into? Like 
later, you know, because it's not like I just moved in and a week later, like, bad things were happening. It was just so gradual that I feel like it wasn't until I was really far in that I started to really question things. Almost just like I was to a point where I didn't feel like I could do a lot about it. Hmm. What are some of the ways that that he would have manipulated you or or trapped you in in this situation? Uh, I feel like in the beginning, like I remember when I first moved there, he would just like he said, you know, hey, like you're living here. I just want to let you know that this is still my house. Like I have the right to like search for all your things. Um, like it's just little things. But at the time, like I, in my mind, I was like, oh well, you know, that's not that big a deal. I understand that's your house. You just don't want me bringing things in here. Is what I was thinking, but I shouldn't. Um, and immediately, like I was given access to weed and alcohol, like as much as I wanted. But even that, like, had stipulations. Like, I had to use it in the house, um, and he would be there a lot. Um, and I feel like that was just, like, little ways to kind of, that he was kind of gaining control. Uh, he, right away, which was part of the stipulation of me moving in, was that I was going to find a job, but, and he would charge me rent, and until I found a job, he would kind of just mark it, like, on a bill, and I would eventually have to pay him back once I started working. Um, and he kind of never really mentioned it until after he started demanding more from me, like, way later on. Mm. Uh, he was also, because I didn't have a job, you know, when I first got there, I did have a phone that I had had in Topeka, but of course, even when I started working, I was like paying him, like he was getting all of my checks. He would leave me a little bit for food, because I had to buy my own food, but everything else was going to him. And pretty soon, you know, I couldn't afford my phone bill, so he had had an extra phone, and he, you know, said, well, you can use this. Um, but it's kind of like the same thing. Like, he would pay it, but it was still his. So, like, I wasn't, little things, like, I wasn't allowed to, like, have it in my room at night because he said technology yeah. shouldn't be in rooms. And he would make me, like, either charge it out, you know, like, just things that where he would just have control of most everything that I did. And there was always just a reason for the things that he did to maintain that control. This was at a time in your life where you you didn't have many other options, and so it was easy for him to establish control. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I didn't have um, a relationship with my parents at the time because of a lot of other things that went on. How long were you with him before he started making demands and that... That would amount to sexual abuse. Um, it was probably a good 
six months later. Mm. Well, in like until that point, like I don't know. I mean, there were red flags, of course. Like now that I'm an adult, for one, and now that I have a clear mind, like I can look back and say, hey, like that really wasn't right. But um, up until that point, like there was really nothing. I mean, obviously, it's very strange that. 50-year-old man would want to, because I was 17 at the time when I moved in there, would want to party and be friends with a 17-year-old girl. Um, but, like, there was no advances other than just a little controlling things. Um, yeah, and then I really did. Like, I called him dad that whole time. He said he wanted to help me eventually go to school once I got on my feet. Uh, that... He was going to show me how to run businesses so I could eventually run a business of my own. It, I really looked at him as a mentor. Like, I looked up to him. Like, none of my family had businesses or anything like that. Like, I just admired that and I wanted to learn from that. You must have felt then, betrayed the first time he, he forced himself on you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, even before that, because he had confessed to me something that he was in love with me or something one time, and I just quickly shut it down and said, I really do, you know, see you as a father and, like, a mentor and a friend, and I did. Uh, and it just, uh, mm. I did, I was very just crushed the first time that happened, and I just felt completely How do you cope with this kind of abuse? I mean, it it's happening frequently and and for months at a time. I I just it's hard for me to understand how you know what daily life would be like under those circumstances. Well, I really didn't cope with it in a way that really made me feel better. I was uh, there was a lot of drug and alcohol in that house in general and that was the only relief that I felt the whole time um, but you know that is kind of a dark road to go down too because like anyone who's ever been down that road knows it only helps for so long and eventually that doesn't help anymore and it just makes things worse even but that was the only thing I was doing back then too I guess what you could call coach I've read some of the the psychological reports and, and case documents around this and you know I, I understand that you know by the end you felt like there is no way out yeah you, I just wonder would would you you know, do you regret killing him? Would you do it again under those circumstances? I absolutely regret killing him because I think it's for me, like I just had been dealing with a lot of different levels of like pain all throughout my life. You know, like you know, I wish I could say that 
I was just this ideal 17-year-old girl when I moved in there, but that's not sure. Like, I, if I was, I don't think that he would have picked me, and I don't think that the tactics would have worked as well. But, and, like, for the years that I lived there with him, like, I just felt like all of the pain was just building up and building up, and that, like, I regret a lot of things that happened, just as a whole, you know, like, I regret meeting him, I regret everything, like, when I sit back and I think about how excited I was that I got a job at CCC when I was 14 years old, like, it just makes me sick, but I regret that moment of killing him more than any other one, because that, that is the moment that my pain is suffering, like, spilled over onto many different people. Um, even outside of us, too. So that moment, yes, I absolutely regret it. And I would never do that again. When, when you were preparing and, and going through that trial, what kind of conversations did you have with your attorney about what was happening? Um, I did tell him what was happening, just kind of in general terms. Um, I went in more to detail with the forensic psychologist at that time. Did your attorney prepare you for what was going to happen or what could happen? Like, Did you realize that the result could be spending the rest of your life in, in prison? shocking to me to learn the direction that the judge gave to your attorney, which I know now from a a transcript of a conversation the judge had with the attorneys in the chamber outside of the public, outside of the jury. And the judge said that your attorney wasn't allowed to bring up any of the abuse because Hal was not on trial and you were. Did did you realize at the time that he had been forbidden from talking about this? Um, no, I didn't until later, actually, when um, we had had discussions afterwards and as I was going through the appeal process, I had discovered that as well. It must have been very confusing during the trial to to not understand why this wasn't part of it. Things that he was going to bring up, and it just never happened. 
What do you think it says about the criminal justice system that what, what you endured couldn't be part of, of your defense? What has life in prison been like for you? Well, there's been a lot of ups and downs, for sure. I will say that I have had a chance to heal in a way that I wasn't able to. I, you know, when I first got locked up, in a weird way, like, it was just a relief that I wasn't going through what had been happening since, from the time I was 17 to the time I was 19. Um, and I finally, like, got to take, like, a step back and just breathe and kind of think about what happened. And, uh, I mean, as you can imagine, like, as you're doing that, as you're processing things like that, like, there are definitely moments of just mm. devastation. Like, it's just you can't really believe that it's happened. And then as things continued, like, I kind of had that over and over again. Like, I still couldn't believe that it was happening the way that it was happening afterwards. Um, but I have had a lot of growth, personal growth, since I've been here, for sure. I think you're part of a, a writing program for a while. Did, did that help you mm-hmm. kind of accept what had happened and, and reflect on it? Yeah. Writing definitely became a big part of my healing and just recovery in general. Like, I actually used to, every day, for a long time, from the time I was in county until a couple years after I got here, just write letters to God and talk about how I felt and what happened and try to just process my own shame and that's, I mean I still there are moments I still struggle with that today because I just feel like it has such a strong hold on me mm. for so long um, but yeah I've tried my best to be better from the time like I feel like in a way I don't see this all the time with a lot of people who get incarcerated, but like it's almost like that moment, like I just knew, like kind of as soon as the cuffs went on that I had to be different, like my life had to change, like it was horrible, like everything that had been happening was just horrible, like, 
And so I did pretty much as soon as I got incarcerated, try to learn everything I could and just better myself and really think about how I could have handled it differently and, mm. you know, what I would do in different situations. I, I heard that I you're, you're working with um, some dogs now, is that right? Yeah, I uh, train dogs. I'm actually the primary of a nine-month-old puppy right now. What kind of puppy? Um, they are all lab and golden retrievers. Um, they're for this program run through this place called KSBS out in Washington, Kansas. They train service dogs. We do the service dogs, facility dogs, and guide dogs, it's like for the blind. Hmm. It's pretty cool. Like I will say that you know I just I've been in the group for about a year and a half. Um, and like I had already come a long way, like just within myself by the time I started the group, and I just had no idea, like how much more it would help me. Like I will say that these dogs healed me in a way that I didn't even know that I needed healing. Like they're just amazing, so, mm. for sure. I I just have a, a few questions left. I, I appreciate you hanging in this long and, and talking about some difficult things. I I do have one more difficult question to to ask, which is dealing with the the implants, which I, I feel like are a particularly cruel part of of what happened. Um, I, I just wonder if you could talk about the the physical and emotional discomfort of of this and, and whether you've asked the state to try to remove them. Yeah, well, definitely, like, they have been the cause of, of it's been a, a constant reminder of what happened to I will say that right after that surgery is when things began to spiral even more, and I've really at that point so like I belong to him or he felt that way you know of course the rapes did continue at that time but it just made it more painful um it has been taking an emotional toll for sure and it still does to this day um when I first got incarcerated I did ask them to remove them and that in itself was just like traumatic yeah. because I had gone to the doctor and like just how it was handled like I just felt like they were all just curious like I remember one nurse went and called another nurse in and like they both touched me and like it just and then they did all of that just to tell me that no that they wouldn't and then later, and just recently, actually, I've asked again because after that first experience, like, I was terrified to go back. Like, I just did not want to go through that again. And, like, here, it's just such a small community, and, yeah, it would be ideal if all of the nurses would, you know, follow HIPAA and, you know, keep your medical stuff private, but they don't. And they mm-hmm. told a lot of people, a lot of officers, a lot of inmates, it was just... That was just very traumatic too. Yeah. Um, so I, we actually have a new medical provider 
Because when I first was incarcerated, it was someplace called Horizon. Now it's like, I don't remember what it's called now. It's like Cintron or something. So I finally just got the courage to ask again. And I'm still waiting on a response. Mm. Did they indicate how long it would take to, to let you know? Um, no. Um, if I don't hear back in a couple weeks, I'll have to probably inquire. Sometimes okay. if they've made a decision, they don't always tell you until either it just never happens or they just say, come on, like you're leaving to go do something. So. It, um, it is shocking to me that that the nurses would treat you as a spectacle and would reveal personal information to others. Yeah, that was really hard. For sure. Well, perhaps an easier subject to talk about is that there are a number of advocates who have taken an interest in, in your case and have thrown their support behind you. That that has to, to make you feel a little better about everything? It does, um, especially in the beginning, because I, like I said, just the guilt and the shame was just so strong. Like, I was just, hated myself. And it, honestly, like, it took me a long time to, and it took their voices also, like, telling me, like, hey, like, yes, you know, you made just bad decisions, but you are not the only one that made bad decisions. And um, I kind of, like, had to mature a little bit, too. I was so young, you know, when it all happened. And before I realized, like, hey, like, what happened was wrong also. Um, and it wasn't just me. Like, I wasn't the only one that made bad decisions. And I wasn't the adult in the situation. Um, so, yeah, and I almost, like, in a way, like, needed them to speak first before I could find the strength to speak. Hmm. They have put together a, a clemency request on your behalf and, and submitted that. Do you, do you have hope for that clemency request? Do you think that it will get considered? The governor will ultimately decide whether to grant clemency. What what would you say to the governor if you could sit down and talk to her about it? and the community and that 
I will continue to make sure that everything that happened wasn't just for nothing and I want to continue to give back and help other young girls who just feel so hopeless like that is the worst feeling you can ever have is when you just you're just held down by complete hopelessness and I just hope that my story can touch the heart of someone who feels that or maybe even one day I'll be able to touch the circumstances of somebody who's experiencing the things that I experienced. Sarah, I'm so glad I had the opportunity to have this conversation with you. I, I thank you for being brave enough to talk about this. <laughs>